What's up, peeps? It's your boy, ex-NFLer turned Yogi Eben Britton. It's excellent to be with you on this magnificent day. Today's episode of the Eben Flow podcast is a fun one. Playing a little jazz with my brother Gus. I don't mean that literally. <laughs> um, we talk a lot about art. We talk about creation. We talk about writing, painting, sculpting, life as art, what it means, having a right to your work, having a right to your purpose, but not having a right to the fruits of the labor, which is something that comes up a lot for me and my brother and I talk about it a lot. So it's one of the core precepts of the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, and I think it's a it's a really powerful understanding for any artist. So it's a great episode. Had a lot of fun. Went to some unexpected places. I think you guys will enjoy it. Before I send you off to enjoy this episode, are you looking for a boost? Mental? Physical? Support your immune system? your digestive system, whatever it might be, look no further than the wonderful world of fungi. Head over to wake.net, use code EBBINFLOW to get 10% off and free shipping on your next order. They have fantastic products, lion's mane, reishi, cordyceps, turkey tail, all the good stuff. Great for your mind, great for your body, great for your soul. These are thousand, thousand year old adaptogenic plants that do myriad wonders for your body. I live by them. I love them. I highly recommend them. So lots of love to you guys. Enjoy this episode of the ebb and flow and I'll see y'all on the flip side. Peace. You have unlocked the eternal link to internal source, the key of imagination your admission, access to the enlightened dimension. A gateway at the junction of darkness and light, the place at which the chaos of our conditioned frame of mind give way to a life in constant flux, only to be mastered through vigilant discipline. Peaceful times may come, testing times may go. This is the ebb and flow. Here we are. We're in the sad. In the saddle. What's going on, Gus? We're in the sad. That's that's one way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. Who's listening to this? I have no idea. <laughs> Is anyone listening? Hello? 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 Are you there? Well, I like I like your uh your motto that's that you've I don't know where you got it from, but uh well maybe I do actually. Just it only takes one. It only takes one person to um 
you know, to have an audience. And I love that. Have we said the Tupac quote on here? I may not be the voice that changes the world, but I'll, I'll definitely inspire the or the voice that does. Um, I think we've referenced that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. As an artist, this goes back to the Bhagavad Gita, which we'll talk about in depth at another date, but one of the core precepts of that story is that you have a right to your work but not a right to the fruits of your work yeah so what does that mean yeah you as a as a human being it behooves you to live in your purpose and not get caught up in the results of the work you're doing. Yeah. Whether it's successful or it's shit, it doesn't matter. The yoga of the work is to just do the work and relinquish your expectations or need or hope or dreams of whatever fruits that labor will provide. Right. And we had, I, I had a very interesting experience with that when I posted the uh, Stanford Mass Study, which has since been taken down, even though it all looks like very reasonable information and great information on there. Um, when I got the hit from Spirit, Eb, you got to post this. Eb, you got to put this out there. After turning away from it time and time again, because God knows what happens if you try to post anything against the mainstream narrative on social media these days, you're just met with a tirade of shit. No, you had, you had love for that. No, I did. I know. I know. But see, that was my, that was my precursor sensation. Yeah. Going in. I'm like, God, I don't, I don't want to talk about mass. I don't want to talk about COVID. But spirit just kept going, Eb, you got to post this. Eb, you got to post it. All right, let me read the study. Okay, I like the study. The study looks really good. A lot of good information. Okay. Ah, I'm not going to do it. Eb, you got to post it. Okay, I'm going to post it. Post it. And the lesson in that was the fruits of the labor can be also... When you think about the quote-unquote fruits of the labor, you think about the trophy, the success, the praise, the what have you, the positive side of that. But also that has to do with the negative side of that. Mm. The backlash. There's rotten fruit too. Yeah, the people who are pissed off about it because you're speaking your truth. People hate it when you speak your truth. I know. What is that? so interesting. Because... That it it hits a point, it hits the most tender point in a human being, yeah. which is that it's incredibly difficult to speak your truth. And people are terrified of letting that voice, that vibration that emanates from their heart, letting that thing fly. It's interesting how it is difficult, but it's also the easiest thing to do. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's really, pro- that's really yeah. powerful. You know, I was thinking musicians need a listener writers need a reader painters need a seer uh-huh you know if if you're an artist if you don't have the audience there's nothing 
Isn't that isn't that interesting? It's true. How it's like the observer is the observed and vice versa. Yeah. And you can't do anything without the audience. One of the saddest things, in my opinion, is to create art and never let anybody see it. Yeah, it's bizarre, huh? <laughs> Why would you do that? I don't I don't know you would have to be some sort of psychotic. Is that too rough? I too rough a word? Uh, I mean maybe I mean, maybe that's the thing. You would have to be something. You'd have to be uh, a rake a recluse or well, you a, know what's you know so check this out. Isn't this funny how so like I'm doing these prayer cards, right? Yes. And they're little cards. I gave you one. They're little they're little prayer cards that I do and they're like meditations for me to do them. They're right? beautiful. So I went into this thing purely feeling the sensation of I'm only doing this for love. I'm only doing this for fun. And then I love the, that. And, yeah, but check this out. The more I introduce it to the world, the more I'm getting comments of Oh, wow. These need to be bigger. Wow. You need to sell these. Wow. What if you made prints of these? And that's all beautiful comments, but it's so funny how the snowball has just compounded. And now I'm like, oh, well, I kind of actually do want to do that. Right? Started out of love. It was a seed of love. But like that whole thing of like, what would be the point? Like art is purely about sharing mm. the art. Well, initially art is creation. Pulling from the ethereal down into the material. Pulling something conceptually out of thin air and manifesting it in the material plane in some form first. But then, yeah, what's the point of doing it? It doesn't, it doesn't, uh, interesting point there to complete the thought of what you just added, Gus. So you pull this thing, this concept, the universe drops it down through the vehicle that is you into the material physical plane, but to complete the cycle of creation, it has to be shared. Interesting. Because otherwise, then it just mingle. It just stays in the ethereal. Like if you if you do the painting, or if I record the podcast and right. then I just let it sit on my computer. Yeah, what's that going to do? Or I do the painting and you put it in your in your closet uh-huh. and you never show it to. Be anybody. very bizarre. Yeah, it's be like, very bizarre. I suppose at some point, I guess there's nothing wrong with the creating of a thing just for the enjoyment of creating it. I don't know if that really ever happens, though. I know. Hey, what well, about... it does happen. But isn't that such... What do you mean? People, I think people do that all the time. Of the artist's accord or just because nobody wants to see it or what? I think of the artist's accord. I think there's a lot of people out there who are afraid... Okay, well, now we're talking about something different. We're talking about wanting to show it, but you're too afraid to show it. As opposed, to, you... as opposed to choosing to not show it. 
That's oh, what I was oh, thinking interesting, of. Interesting, interesting. You know what I mean? Interesting. Like, um, that feels really weird. That's what I'm talking about, choosing to not show it as, that feels weird. That's kind of bizarre, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Yes. How cool is but it, But what's though? the difference between what is choosing not to show it and... What's choosing not to show it by choice or by out of fear? I think choosing, I mean, out of fear is almost. But if you want to show it and you choose not to show it, Mm -hmm. you're choosing not to show it. No, no, no. You don't want to show it and you're choosing not to show it. Mm. So that's just an, I don't know how many artists do that. I don't know. I don't know if that's a thing. Uh, Isn't it a beautiful thing, this physical manifestation aspect you brought up? Isn't it so cool that we can take something that's that does not exist and then put some medium into practice and make it a reality? Yeah. That's so trippy to me. Yeah, it's a trip. It's God work, man. It's amazing. It's a God experience. Artists are Hey boy. <laughs> hey, let me ask you something. Isn't that where Wait, wait, before okay. we get to the next thing. Well, we're still on I wanted to ask a question. No, no, yeah, 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 yeah. But uh to to f- complete the circle on the Bhagavad Gita, you have no right to the fruits of your labor. So, in the exercise or action of creation, right? You create this thing. We talk about it all the time. You've written books. I've done podcasts. I've just written a book that's with a publisher set to be published sometime in the next month or so. And we talk about it. And there we get wrapped up in. Man, I got. I hope a lot of people read it. Yeah, yeah. I hope people love it. See, you fucking changed my reality. That's what I'm saying, dude. You changed my reality when you said you only need one, dude. Well, that's the thing. So it's like when you, as an artist, you've got to bring it down to, man, maybe the universe inspired me to do this piece, whatever it is, the book, the painting, the podcast inspired me compelled me moved me to create this piece of art for one person exactly there i love that and that one person that thing that you created is going to ignite the spark in that one person Mm -hmm. that they needed to stand up in their truth to live in their highest greatness and that sends ripples out into the universe from their little microcosm of the world And they may end up being the one that affects a million people. Exactly. And you were just the one. So in 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 a, actually, in reality, you affected however many people the ripple affected. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. Yeah, you really, that really flipped it for me. Because with this newsletter, man, I mean, you're farther along with the game in your podcast. But the newsletter for me feels like a kind of podcast venture for me and I can look at the the numbers and have like you know one reaction to a thing and think it's what am I doing forget yeah. it 
I'm yeah. not I'm not never going to do it again. But then it's like, well, okay, there was one. Yeah. So, is it just about how many people see it or Right. How did you is that why you did it so that a million people would listen? Ow, dude. Yeah. Isn't it isn't it is just... wouldn't it be more interesting to have one person thoroughly be affected by it as opposed to a million people that are lukewarm yes, affected by it? I think so. And now let me this makes me think of your um sports career. You know, isn't that what really changed for you when you got to the NFL that money and the fruits were involved? Because when you're, you know, when you were in high school, first of all, I think you were playing for the love of it for the whole, for every high school, college, NFL. But then it was almost like there were no fruits in the NFL ranks other than the material fruits to get to. And that really affected you, right? In the NFL? Yeah, when you got to the NFL. Because like in, oh, it all changed. in high school and college, you're you're going for the next level. NFL, you're at the top level. Yeah. So then what are the fruit? What are we doing? Like, I mean, exactly. uh, you could say win Super Bowls, but I mean, that's just so difficult. Of course, that's on your radar yeah. or make it to the Pro Bowl. Yeah. But like, didn't that change for you? Yeah, it all, it felt very different because here you are now and now you're really getting paid and it, it just, it was much different. Um, it was like, trying to think if I should just feed this guy dinner. Yeah, the, Let me pup, feed him. The puppy bear is here. We're going to take a short break. Take a quick we're break. are going to feed the dog. I like this though. This is good. Okay, we're back. The pup had his dinner. Yeah. He's chilled down. So I was asking you how that changed for you when money, when, I don't know. So football for me was always about proving to the world how fucking badass I was. And to me, getting the money, having the money to be able to say just fuck everybody. I'm self-sufficient utterly and completely, energetically, was a big part of that, of that proving need, that need to prove myself. Yeah. So when I got there, I lost a lot of the motivation that I had from high school and college. Uh -huh. I was on the warpath in high yeah. school and college. I was on the warpath. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I was there to, I was fucking, I had a mission. Yeah. I'm, I'm asking you about the purity that was there. Well, yeah, that exactly. wasn't there in when you got to the NFL. Well, yeah, it was a, it was a complete, it was a complete vision quest. And then when I got to the NFL, the vision had been realized and I'm up there on the top of the mountain and now I'm getting paid. And now I'm, you're part of the company. Yeah. You're part of this corporate thing, this massive thing now that's like telling you how to be, what to be, yeah. how you can talk, protect the shield. Do you, well, that doesn't really care about you. Exactly. Right. I mean, that's a whole you, other pod. Yeah. You coached high school football players. Would, so I'm curious about that, but also would you coach, like if one of your coaches said, 
you know, and it was it, just 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 humor us and say you would take the job. Would you rather coach NFL or college or high school? I know you coached some high school, which you you weren't really aligned with. It seemed like at the time, but what do you what do you think on that? Oh, it's a good question. Because I'm always curious, like when those coaches go and coach in the NFL from college or vice versa, like which. Because the, the the guys are different. It's different guys. I mean, shit, in college you've got kids. It's a totally different spiritual setup, isn't it? Yeah. There's, I mean, coaching high school, you're working with kids at, coaching high school you've got a mixed bag because you've probably got, say you're coaching offensive line at high school. Right. You've probably got, like one. if you're lucky, three guys who are really good. Yeah. You know? Then you've got, like, four guys who love being there. Yeah. Who are just stoked on it, who are probably really tough kids. Yeah. And then the rest are, are you're wondering what they're doing there. Yeah. So the high you school know? game is different because, like you say, it's you're almost, like, really – you're not really coaching. It's like a spiritual uh, yeah. relationship because they're so young, right? Yeah. Then in college, you've got a bunch of guys who are great athletes who are there because they've probably gotten a scholarship. But you've also – now you're starting to weed out the very talented athletes who are not super interested in – playing football anymore mm -hmm. i would rather have a less talented athlete but a guy who was stoked about football who was just a warrior spirit mm -hmm. than have a super talented athlete who was not really interested in football football's fucking brutal man of course it's brutal of course it's painful it sucks most days yeah <laughs> it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Because every day you've got to wake up. You've got to love your pain. Yeah. You've got to be willing to just tape it all up, tape up the fingers that are almost broken. Every single, your thumbs are both sprained. Your pinkies are broken. And you don't get to take a day off because you got a broken pinky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Right, right. Tape your ankles. Your neck hurts like shit. You can't turn your head. Your back hurts. Your hips hurt. Your knees oh, hurt. God, it's brutal. And then you got to put all this gear on and go outside and fucking smash into other 300-pound dudes in, in 90-plus degrees of heat. Was it a relief when you – dude, I played, I played high school basketball, and I was almost bo – <laughs> bored is an interesting word. I was almost like – Wow, if I go to college and then go to the NBA, I'm going to be doing this for the next 15 years. Was it a relief that the levels changed? So it kind of like yeah. changed the dynamic? Yeah. Because like I would imagine you're like, fuck, I'm doing this again? Yeah, the levels, changing of the levels is makes it fun and interesting. But then that levels out right, too. Right, right. That's Yeah. That's what I mean. Um, you know, so just then to finish the trajectory. So then when you get into the NFL, you've got the best of the best now. 
Oh, You've yeah. got the fucking ninja assassins for the most part. There's like one or two guys who you're looking at going, how did this guy get here? Mm -hmm. But for the most part, you've got the, these are the Spartan warriors who've been groomed for 10 years to get to this place. So if I had to say who I wanted to coach, I have reasons why I would want to coach and wouldn't want to coach at each level. High school, I'd love to coach those kids because... I could have the biggest impact on them as human beings, as young men, mm -hmm. right? But the level of the game isn't quite that high, and you're teaching like much more simple techniques. Rudimentary stuff. Yeah, yeah. basic stuff. Fundamentals, you got to get really good at the fundamentals, but you're still, you know, having played in the NFL where you're talking about minutia details yeah with guys who really get it mm -hmm. that's fun mm -hmm. in college i think that'd be fun because i think those those that's a good age of guys to be around to also make a big impact on them as human beings mm -hmm. um and you get to have a little more fun technically and um start to get into the minutia of the game but the college coaching ring sucks dude those coaches those guys are are hardly ever home yeah when the season's over you're on the road recruiting but in the nfl you think you're home more or, le or what i think in the nfl coaches have a better huh. time it's so funny wait let me just let me just on that note i saw this kid he was the number one uh running back chosen in the draft or something from Alabama. There was a picture of him like from sports center or something. He's like, he was talking about the NFL. He's like, man, we have way more free time in the NFL than at Alabama. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. Cause in college, man, you're, you're playing football and then you're doing your school. Yeah. And then you go to sleep. It's yeah. like you, you're the life of a student athlete is super grueling. It's hard, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and then when you get to the NFL, you're like, oh, I just go and play football. I go to meetings. I watch some film, and then I'm fucking, I go home. Most days, I'm home by like 3 o'clock, yeah. 4 o'clock, um, and just chilling, you know? Once you get the playbook down and all of that stuff. I mean, the, the, the rookie year is a little more difficult because it's just you're in that transitional period, and yeah. you're going from playing college kids to playing fucking grown men who are coming to kill you Jesus. um so i'm coaching in the nfl i think that would be the most fun coaching experience like coach to player relationship but you're subject to this shit corporate environment yeah it's brutal i remember fuck that man it's, I'm way too much of an anarchist. It's so severe. And a rebel to subject myself to having a boss like that. It's so severe. That's what I think the NBA does really well. Like, Jesus, just the fact that those dudes can wear color different colors of shoes. Yeah. Like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> it's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Well, the NFL, I think they're starting to do that now with, like, the my cleats thing, but. 
Yeah, but it's still regular. It's still regular. But it's still like you can't be a human being. Yeah, you can't say anything. You can't have an have ideas about anything. I mean, look at Colin Kaepernick. Point perfect example. You know, what do you think of guys? Whether you like him or hate him for what he, you know, what he did. Yeah. What about? um, I don't think many people know this, but the average length of an NFL career is only two years. Yeah, it's like 2.3 years. Okay, you played six years. Yep. What do you think of guys that play 10 or 15 years? Superhumans. When I came into the NFL, I really wanted to play 10 years. So when I got done at six, because I just seen the light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, after four years in Jacksonville, I was ready to be gone. Yeah. But... I had a few conversations that led me to just give free agency a shot, and I signed with the Bears, had one really good year, and then decided, found my love for the game and came back for another year, and then it all fell apart again because I was like, oh, yeah, this is why I wanted to be done after four years in Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. The ego, the business, it sucks. The purity of the game is gone. Here I am as a player giving my entire body, my heart, and my soul to this fucking game, to the to my teammates, to this family, my coaches, my father figures. And they, you know, like your teammates care, man, but they're also like yeah. trying to survive. Yeah. The coaches are trying to keep their jobs. Yeah. Like yeah. it's just, yeah. you know, I had this realization my last year in Chicago. I'm sitting there. My appendix had exploded in the bye week. Back yeah. here, yeah, I remember it in L.A. While my my high school is retiring my jersey, I have to have an emergency appendectomy. I'm in the hospital in L.A. for a week, recovering from this fucking <sighs> appendix rupture. I get back to Chicago. I've lost like thirty pounds. Jesus. They're like, yeah, you could take a month to just recover and get yourself back and. Uh-huh. We got to do tests and make sure all the bacteria and shit's out of your bloodstream. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm sitting there and I, I had just gotten back. So I just started practicing again. And I'm sitting there looking at the film, watching it, going, what the fuck am I doing here? Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm literally killing myself. I'm literally killing myself to be out there. Yeah. And this coach back here. Love him to death. I won't say his name, but nothing nothing bad against him. This coach back here running this film, he doesn't give a fuck how much pain I'm in and what yeah. I'm pushing through to get out there every day. Uh, like, if I walk out of here now, he'll just pop somebody in there. Yeah. What am I doing here? Yeah. Man, it's brutal. But the guys that play 10 years, 15 years, I mean, what do you... They just work their asses off, man. Their whole life is about their body. I got yeah, really... Yeah, but you did that too. Yeah, and you get lucky. You know, I had some bad injuries, man. My back injury was really bad. If I didn't have the back injury, yeah. I might have I might have gotten another four years. Right. But right. the herniated disc, the ruptured disc, <laughs> which gave me this excruciating sciatic nerve pain... Uh-huh. which made my right foot completely numb that I battled through for over a year before getting surgery uh-huh. and then had the surgery. And then 11 weeks after that surgery, I get an infection in the disc. 
Yeah, that was insane. Which just completely blew me out. If I hadn't had that, I might have been able to do the 10. Yeah. Guys get lucky, man. You yeah. know? I mean, yeah. Brad Meester, who's one of my all-time favorite dudes ever. He's the, he's a guy who I had a conversation with after my last year in Jacksonville. And I was like, Brad, dude. I think I'm done, man. I think I'm done. I don't think I can do this anymore. Had a horrible last year in Jacksonville. Got benched midway through the year after working through multiple injuries, getting myself back after the the, the infection in the disc and then getting a low high ankle sprain week one against Minnesota. They rush me back. Yeah. The second opinion doctors like, dude, I mean, you need surgery. If you're, this is really close to needing surgery. If you're not, you need six weeks of recovery. I was back in two weeks. Oh, Jesus Christ. Because the head coach is calling me like, Eb, are you, are you fucking gaming the system? He said that? Basically, yeah. Holy shit. He was like calling me to check. Like it was like you were just picking up. Like a I was, check. yeah. Like I was just getting and a you check. You were with spider monkeys on an island dropping yeah. acid. Yeah, I should have been. <laughs> I should have been. <laughs> Fuck. I mean, I don't know what I was like. I fucking should have been doing that. But I said to Brad, I'm like, dude, I'm done. I think I'm done. I can't. I hate this. I'm over it, man. And he's like, Eb, I think that every year. He uh-huh. played 14 years. Yeah, yeah. Center for the Jags, total badass. Yeah. He said, Eb, I think that every year. <laughs> yeah. He's like, but you know what, man? I just, I get one more deal and I just take it one day at a time. Right. And I show up and I see if I like it. Yeah. And then I find my love for it and I'm like, okay, I'll do it again. Yeah. Right. You know, I'll give it this year. Uh huh. The next year comes. He's like, oh. <laughs> And the same thing. He was like, hey, man, look, I get it. Every one of us feels that way at some point in our career. Give it a shot with another team. Maybe you sign with another team and it's beautiful. You find your love for the game again, dude. Or maybe you sign with another team and you realize you totally hate it and you're done. Yeah. But at least you know. Yeah. So I thought, okay, that's great advice. God bless you, Brad, if you're out there listening. Love you, man. Dude has like eight daughters. Amazing. I love Brad. Living up in Iowa somewhere on his ranch, on his farm, his welding shop. Working on motorcycles. Sweet. Um, but yeah, man, the purity, dude. The purity. There's very few things in life. We were talking about this, Gus. The corporate aspect. Like the corporate... The corporate glaze which is literally sucking the life out of everything in the world is making its way into everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even art, even the art world, like the art, the physical art world has become insanely corporate. Painting, sculpture. Yeah. It's all insanely corporate. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's... It's been that way for a while. I mean, now with decentralized information through the internet with things like Patreon, podcasting, Substack. Yeah. Now with like, like we're stumbling onto, into NFTs. Yeah. And this blockchain centered artwork or work in, in particular. 
I think that's really the antidote to the corporate shit. Well, it just allows some freedom. You know, the corporations don't allow when you're... They don't want individuals. Well, back to this purity aspect. When you are not allowing... What's that? You okay? Yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at the time. When you're not... You have to be somewhere. (laughs) When you're not allowing purity, the best art is pure. Let's not let's not get this. Let's just get that out of the way. The best art is pure. What does that mean? Uncontaminated. Un- by what? By all sorts of shit. There's <laughs> money, fruits, as you're talking about the the fruit idea, politics. Although art that speaks on politics can be pure. Yes. Corporate infiltration muddies the purity of the art yes we see this yes i mean it's um well it's muddying sports oh my god sports has been completely even watch i could i could barely watch the super bowl this year granted i just feel like we've been watching sports for so long as a culture where it's like every game sort of seems the same now like i'm always like I, I can't help like and I'm not I'm not knocking sports fans. I appreciate the beauty of sports. I mean, I've of played course, sports I mean. all my life. But it's almost like uh, you know, the Super Bowl and they got subtle with it too. They they thought they were pulling fast ones. They'd like pan to the audience and there'd be like a dude drinking a Pepsi in the audience, clearly an ad prop. I'd be like can we just watch the game for three minutes? Jesus, give me five minutes. Give me, give me, give me a play without an ad. Even the plays. This third down brought to you by. Ugh, I was just like, guys, so this is vulgar. too much. It's fucking horrible. I can't do it. But it's on, horrible. <laughs> but with your, you know, I, I, I believe you're right that there is a silver lining in the cloud of. The independent platforms, the independent forums where, first of all, like, for instance, I'm, I've been working to make How to Kill a White Man a series. I don't know how you get money. I don't know how you do that. You know? Suck somebody's dick. Yeah. Which is kind of cool because it's almost like the archaic revival is happening in art too, where you can't help but, uh, you can't help but Fellini it, or or you know Bertolucci it, where you just grab a camera and just run up the street and shoot a scene. Right, like that's where it's at, though. Yeah, that's, that's where the beauty do. is at. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, you know, me too. But it's challenging, Eb, because it's challenging to make a living that way. You really got to hustle. Yeah, which is cool too. Hey, it's very cool. I think it's cool. Which is cool. I don't know. Well, talk about the purity in the creation of something. So you've got the external stuff, right? As in what? The corporate infiltrated oh, uh-huh. whatever. So now and and what what would that look like? So now you're you're doing a podcast, but you've got You've got 
Well, I have the McDonald's per- as an yeah. a, as a sponsor of the podcast. Well, I have the perfect example: Rogan going to Spotify. Sure, and which is so. I'm so glad that they didn't cut his nuts off, and he, they're they're allowing him to speak. I mean, that would have been done. Well, he had to get that written into his deal. I'm sure it was. You had, I'm sure you it had was. To. But you saw that when he started saying, I forget what he said the first time, and then it came up recently because he said about if you're young and healthy, you probably don't need to get the vaccine. Yeah. But you saw how close it was to the razor's edge oh, yeah. of that being completely demolished because the politics, a.k.a. corporations, tried to sink their teeth into his subject matter. Well, they've been erasing episodes. Have they? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, see, it's happening. Yeah. They just quietly, like, erase episodes. They've done it to a handful of these episodes. interesting. Well, okay. So, you're talking about the external? So, that's the external. Right. That's the external. Which, by the way, guys, one of the biggest, one of the megalithic corporate entities that has completely destroyed all media all mainstream media is big pharma it's right in front of your face when you watch tv anytime you watch a television show a sports game whatever take note of how many fucking pharmaceutical ads there are do you realize in europe big pharma pharmaceutical companies are not allowed to advertise on television how many times have you been told you need to take a pill or take a shot? Go ask your doctor because your fucking asshole hurts about this pill. Oh, you take an antidepressant? Yeah, I bet you have this side effect. Well, now we've got this pill that, that fucking treats that side effect for that other pill you're taking. Yeah. Go ask your doctor about it. So... I had such a tripped out experience. I just want to, I know I've told you, but I went to a doctor once and he said, are you sexually active? I said, yes. He said, well, we got this new thing. It's called Gardasil or no, wait, Gardasil. Yeah, Yeah, Gardasil. We got this new thing. It's called Gardasil. I think you should take it if you're sexually active. You know, even (laughs) if you use protection, you should probably take this. It's a pill. It'll be good for you, Gus. No, it's a vaccine. It's an HPV vaccine. Okay. Well, whatever it was. Yeah. But it was something that I needed to do multiple times, either way. But I was like, nah, I'm so glad I had the wherewithal. I was like, no. That I'm... thing's killing people. Well, no, check this out. I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I don't I don't need that. And he's like, oh, okay, okay. A week later, it comes out like in a really substantial study, substantial newspaper. I don't know, New York Times. Even, this was years ago before the New York Times had lost its mind or maybe it was Washington Post or something where the doctor said this thing doesn't work and it's only going to be you're only going to get side effects the Gardasil the thing the guy wanted me to take oh yeah why is that I know it's obvious it's an obvious story but it's a but it's an example no it's not an obvious story I mean I think there's hundreds of thousands of people out there who could relate to that story but you know dude unfortunately we've crossed into really really unfortunate territory with our medical system yeah it's a bummer it's a bummer if you hear that and you're totally horrified by me saying that you should just 
Just pay attention, What dude. would there be to be horror? I'm not discounting somebody's feeling, but what would there be to be horrified? I mean, this is... Because many people believe pretty... that these that doctors and our medical establishment is here to keep us healthy and safe. I don't think... Yeah, Which just is just... Un, it's just not true. You know, the doctors have contracts with the pharmaceutical companies where the more pills they sell, they're getting bonuses. They're getting, you know... They're getting incentives to sell more of their pills. There's a new documentary out called Crime of the Century on HBO. Uh-huh. Have you it's watched all about it yet? the opiate epidemic. Have you watched it yet? No, I haven't watched I don't even need to watch <laughs> yeah, it. No, we don't I, need, I don't need to watch it. I literally, I spent like four years in the cannabis yeah. space, not to mention fucking six years in the NFL. Well, also the documentary you were in, Take, yeah, your, take mean, your Pills. Exactly. Dude, I took fucking Ativan... Oh, or no, God. well, it was the salt ones. I mean, see, I don't know if it was me. I had some of the worst, most colossal black depressions come downs off those. Well, you needed another pill to treat right, those. Right, right, right. You needed more pills. You need a dick pill and a shit <laughs> pill. <laughs> Sorry, that's vulgar. But that's oh, about Christ. purity. That's part Christ. of the, that's part of the purity conversation. Well, you know? no, so, okay, so backtracking, because I think this episode is all about creation. Yeah. Creation, art. So the, the entirety of art. So you're going to the internal now? Well, as a young artist, it can be very tempting to want to create the thing that's going to be popular. Yeah. Or to create the thing or to create out of the sense of what do people want? Mm -hmm. Now that is lacking purity. That's another, that's the internal expression of impure because mm -hmm. the best art is the thing that just comes spontaneously from you. And it's the thing that you want to create. Yeah. It's the thing that you're interested in. Right. It's the thing that you would love to see, hear, look at. Right? Yeah. Read. Yeah. You don't you don't write the book. The book that you write thinking everyone's gonna love this book is the book that no one reads. Right. Because it's not interesting. <laughs> yeah. Why is that? What what is that mystical essence? Because it's not authentic. There. It's not your pure essence so, coming through into the pages. So it's really a mystical, it's almost an ineffable thing where you can't really say what it is. It's just a feeling that it's true. It's, it's alchemical. A, it's a feeling that it's honest. Yes. I heard this interesting interview with this author. I, I, I could never remember his name, but it always stuck with me. He was this gay author. And he said... He, he made this really interesting point, I thought. He said, it's easier, this is sort of a sidetrack, but I'm curious what you'll think about it. He said, it's easier for gay men to write about sex because their husbands get less jealous than for a straight man to write about sex or sexuality because it's a lot more of a sensitive relationship between the man and wife. Mm. So he always felt like as a gay writer, it was like kind of a relief for him 
or not not a relief, it was easier for him to write about the sexual experience. That could be totally general and sub, a subjective comment, but I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. Because when you get a wife or a girlfriend, it's a lot harder to talk about sexuality because also this is kind of this is kind of curious because whenever you're honest people always think oh that's about you Uh uh-huh yeah so it's very sensitive ground you're you're working with when you're honest and that's what people always resonate with yeah the honesty the truth yeah that comes through yeah You know, I mean, at the end of the day, like here I am, I'm writing the ebb and flow. Uh Basic tools to transform your life. Yeah. I'm writing it. And it was really a, it was an incredible experience because I first got the download of everything that had to be in it. So I wrote the first run that was all just the content. Uh Uh-huh. It was, what are the tools? What do I do? Right. Some aspects of it, I added more meat like, oh, this I wrote the story out of my plant medicine experience and how I got to plant medicine and my feelings about plant medicine. Sent it to the publisher, got great feedback from the editor. The editor was like, this this is fantastic. This is super inspiring, but it needs more context of you. People are going to really resonate and connect with you and your story. Yeah. So then, okay, so I'm like, perfect. I knew all, I knew that. I'm so glad you think it's good to begin with. I knew I was going to have to add some meat to the bones here. So then I went about doing that. Took me another two or three weeks. And I just went through it chapter by chapter. And I added the meat. I added the, the personal stories on each chapter of how I, Went from basically chaos to the light. I went from chaos to serenity. I went from darkness to light. And as I'm writing it, there were certain things that I was trying to skim over. Mm. Or I was thinking to myself, you know, I... But then it occurred to me, I'm like, dude, the only way this works is if I'm just completely honest. Like it was too sensitive, the material? Yeah. Yeah. Talking about really dark times in the past, which I'm not going to say here. You'll have to buy the book and check it out and read it. But it it occurred to me as I'm working through it, I said to myself, I'm like, Ed, this only works. You can't tell how you got to meditation without talking about this. Right. Because it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. You're asking the audience to take this leap of faith over this cavern of missing yeah context Mm -hmm. you know yeah so when it comes to say talking about sex as a married man i mean i haven't done that at least yet uh and that'll be interesting but i feel as though it's another one of those things that what was so amazing about the writing of it I guess what I'm getting at was it's a complete surrendering to God. Mm -hmm. Here we are again with that word. It was a complete surrendering to God because that was the only way I knew this book was going to work. Yeah. 
So if I ever come to a point where I'm writing a book, which my next book, Getting Free, is already coming through, which I think might have some sex in it, I don't know yet. But if it did come to that, it would be like, you know, we'll just have to cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah. If the sex, if a sex thing has to come through, then I guess it has to come through and we're just going to have to <laughs> confront it, you know, cross mm-hmm. that bridge when we get there. Yeah. But that's what the best art is, man. The best art isn't loved by everybody. The best art just hits a pain point in everyone. Mm-hmm. A pain or a pleasure point. Right? Yeah, well, that's back to the... That's back to the it only takes one or one is is powerful enough because, well, we had this conversation about how not everybody's going to like what you're dishing out, and that's okay. That's Dude, okay. if people don't like it, you probably did something right. Yeah. 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 If people think it sucks and have a visceral reaction, like, you you know, you just slap them across the face or took a dump on their floor, you probably did a good thing. Yeah, I had that with How to Kill a White Man. Well, just the title alone is so. People, I I thought the title was brilliant. Yeah, one woman said it was so interesting and a perfect example of that, of the yin and yang of the response one woman said she she told me or i had i think i had heard through the grapevine she had crossed the title out and wrote a white man's story which is i don't i don't know why you needed to do that <laughs> and then she said it was just god forbid yeah she said it was just chauvinistic and um uh what is it patriarchal or something i don't know mm. and then i had another woman who said wow thank you for writing this it was so illuminating in what the male feels in terms of relationships. So, you know, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I love that. Both of those reviews are cool. I love that. Both of those reviews are interesting. Yeah. A white man's story. Good God. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever that means. I I don't know what that means. As a white man, should we just, should we just fucking go jump off the cliff yeah, and stop just, and we're not allowed to create or speak anymore? Or just live under a bridge. A white know. man. Whatever the fuck that means now. I know. Is anyone white? Who's it's, the white people? It's pretty boring. I had I had, I I met with somebody the other day, not that we need to get in the into the white conversation, but I met with somebody the other day. And uh I'm always curious what people's ethnicity are. Like you're from somewhere. It's mm. not your, like there's an interesting aspect to that. And I was like, oh, I'm Swedish and Dutch and Welsh mm-hmm. and Polish. That's primarily what we come from. Yeah. And they said, oh, you're white. And I was like, <laughs> uh, uh, I don't uh, really identify as white. I mean, okay. it's a great, uh, it's a great thing though, dude, because we've talked about this because there's, you know, but. What, you know, what what whatever. were you talking about? The white shit, the white stuff. Yeah, that's such a that's such a an illusion. That's What's so, a great thing you were saying? 
don't know. I don't even feel like acknowledging the the weird cultural tropes. Also, the person that said the white man's story was a white woman. I'm like, what are you trying to prove? I don't right. know what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. That's a person who's angry. Who hurt you're... you? <laughs> I've heard that before. I love that. Who hurt you? It's true, though. Let me help you. Do you need a hug? But then it goes back to also Stephen Pressfield's uh, The War of Art, where he says, Oh, yeah, that was great. As you begin to express yourself and express your art into the world, people who are unable to do that yeah. for themselves are going to be really triggered and yeah. pissed off by the fact that you have the courage and the, and the self-power yeah. to express your art into the such world. A, such a good reminder ladies and gentlemen when that just that you know watch people come out of the woodwork when you start showing st see oh, yeah. see that goes back to the beginning of our conversation about showing the work to the world or not that's what you're afraid of because the arrows start coming out yes when you start coming when you start showing your stuff the the people start coming out of the woodwork saying whoa 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 I thought you wanted to be small over here. Yeah. With me. Yeah. What are you doing? Stay small. Where are you going? Stay small. Yeah. We didn't, Stay with me. We didn't agree on that. Who it's the fuck the, are you? It's the crabs in the bucket. Yeah. Have you heard that? What is that? I've heard that. Yeah. So you've got a bucket full of crabs. Uh -huh. And if one crab tries to climb its way out, the other crabs will literally grab that crab and pull it back in. Jesus Christ. That's what people like to do. It's a Ooh. battle, man. It's really fascinating, isn't it's a it? Battle, isn't yeah. it fascinating? Is it because it's of jealousy? What is it? Oh yeah, it's so complex. It's such a complex stew of sensations. You know, as soon as I started to turn it over to let everybody be successful or famous or whatever they want, things got so much lighter in my life. As soon mm. as I was like, man, that's awesome that person's successful. Yeah. Even if I felt something like, fuck, why are they successful and I'm not or whatever, right. whatever the feeling was, even just turning it over to the opportunity to say it's awesome they're successful. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Also, who cares? It's not about you. Right. It doesn't matter. The only thing that is about you is if you're yeah. doing your thing. Also, the incredible thing about that is that everyone's still struggling. It doesn't matter. Like, do you what you think because they're successful, they're immune to pain or yeah. or struggle now? Yeah, exactly. You don't know what the intimacy of their lives are. You don't True. know. You actually don't really know what's going on behind the corner. They have. They may have just gotten the new TV show, but something else is being obliterated in their life. Yeah. Well, think about how many of the the most on the surface successful happy people end up committing suicide lots yeah. lots or falling from grace in some way whatever that means yeah, i guess you can't fall from grace but i don't know or whatever i mean yeah yeah falling from grace in the in the cultural sort of aspect of that I mean, that goes back to this uh, this weird Americanized idea that humans need to be infallible. 
Yeah. This book up here is one of my favorite fables of all time, Sir Gowan and the Green Knight. Uh-huh. Have you read it? I think so. It's ancient. Read it's an, Beowulf. It's it's of the same ilk as yeah. Beowulf. Yeah. Sir Gowan was one of King Arthur's knights. He was the most pure of King Arthur's knights. Yeah. And all the knights are sitting around the round table. They're having a feast. They're partying. It's fucking a celebration. Yeah. And in walks in the Green Knight. Yeah, I've read this, yeah. Just this big fucking badass, like covered in vines. Yeah. Green skin with a giant axe. Right. And he challenges the knights. And he basically says, I'll give one of you a death blow to me. And in a certain amount of time, I'm going to repay you that blow. So all the knights are looking around. Sir Gowan stands up. He says, I'll do it. He's the bravest, the youngest, the bravest, the most pure. (laughs) He gets up. The green knight gives him his axe. Sir Gowan fucking comes up swinging, fucking decapitates the green knight. Uh Dude's body falls over, head rolls up to King Arthur's feet. Uh And in a moment, the body of the green knight gets up, walks over, picks up its head, holds up his head and says, all right, four weeks from now, I'll see you at my crib. I'm going to repay the favor. And walks out. And everybody's just fucking stunned. (laughs) So they're all like, they're all looking at each other like, what the fuck was that? What just happened? So Sir Gowan being as pure as he is, he's like, well, that's it. Made the deal. So he goes on this adventure. Right. To go and meet the Green Knight. Yeah. In a fortnight or whatever the timing was. And he stumbles across this castle. And the castle is run by this king or someone who's super welcoming and warm. He's like, of course, one of King Arthur's knights, come in, please. Make yourself at home. Um, You know, this is my me casa su casa brother like make yourself this is i'm gonna we're going on a a hunt we're going on a boar hunt tomorrow i'd love for you to come but i understand you're on a quest so why don't you just chill here my wife will take good care of you yeah so sir gown's like okay so the guy goes on the hunt the next day and Sir Gowan's kind of recuperating he's he's kind of lost like he's he's going to his death He's like, I'm going to my death. Mm -hmm. He's surrendering to that. He's also very pure, but the guy's wife is coming on to him. Right. (laughs) And is like, really like coming on to him. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, no, I can't. But he tells her the story. He's like, I'm going to see the Green Knight. And, you know, I I don't, you know, I'm probably going to be dead soon. And so he won't sleep with her. But she gives him this sash, and she says, if you lay this sash on your neck, when you go and see the Green Knight, it'll protect you from the death blow. Mm. He's like, okay. But he keeps it really secret. He hides it, because he's like, I don't want this guy to know that I had this intimacy with his wife, right? Guy comes home. They have the feast. The next day, 
Sir Gowan goes to meet the Green Knight. Right. And he goes in to meet the Green Knight. And Green Knight's like, all right, brother, you're here. You ready? He's like, yeah. He lays his head down, puts the sash over his neck. The Green Knight raises up his axe. And then he just starts laughing his ass off. And he says, man, I'm not going to cut your head off. It's like, but I am that, I am the king of that castle Mm. that you came to. And I know that you had an intimate moment with my wife Mm. and that you took her sash to protect you. Mm. And the story is even the most pure of us are fallible. He was fallible in a moment. Right. And did what he had to do to try to save his life in this intimate moment with another man's wife. And the Green Knight, it was all about proving that the most pure of us are even still fallible. Yeah. Men are fallible. Humans are fallible. I know that's the I know that's the essence of the story. But it was also interesting to me how his purity also gave him the green sash right which saved his life yeah yes because he he refused to sleep with it's kind of it's beautiful yeah it's an incredible i remember reading that now yeah i love that it's an incredible i think it's like it's celtic or yeah yeah it might be welsh welsh or celtic yeah. that and beowulf are beautiful and beowulf, beowulf is epic dude. one of my favorite scenes in all of literature Get the Seamus Heaney version of Beowulf, which is the one you have. Oh, no, you have the W.S. Merwin. You have the W.S. Merwin translation. Of Sir Gowan. Yeah, I think Seamus Heaney does the Beowulf. He was a he was a poet and writer. Oh, yeah, he's brilliant. But I love that scene in Beowulf when he's, like, being taken under and he's, like, wrestling the, the demon or whatever the thing is. Those would be good to revisit. Oh, yeah, we should do that. We should do a Beowulf one. Yeah, Beowulf for sure. But, but man, there's something to be said for cultivating purity in your art. Purity feels like where it's at. Well, true art is pure. You know, true art is totally pure. It is pure. And a lot of people. I mean, with this podcast, I'm not saying I wouldn't take the $100 million Spotify deal. But it's not about that. But no, no, but because go ahead. Because you could take the $100 million. Like like we said recently, you could take the $100 million. It's just not about getting caught in the $100 million. Right. Right? Yeah. But go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. No, but I'm very mindful about who I partner with, who I allow to become a sponsor. When we were doing hot boxing, <laughs> hilarious. When we were doing hot boxing, we signed this deal with this big podcast company. Uh-huh. And it turned into a shit show. Yeah. Because literally, we went from being totally free and liberated and open to doing it our way, how we wanted. The show's about cannabis. To. Now they didn't, they would, they would literally throw 10 different sponsors at us and they'd say, guys, we got, 
we got to do ad ad reads for this company, this company, this company, this company, this company, and we want to get on the phone with them to do what? To like talk about what they wanted. Uh huh. And we get on the phone, and you know, you're talking to super corporate people, yeah, who are saying, yeah, we we don't want cannabis in it, we don't want cursing in it, we don't want this in it. Yeah. Can you talk about this? Can you say this about the product? And it felt so <laughs> impure to use that word. It felt so wrong. It right. felt so just inauthentic. Right. That I was just, ref- I was repulsed by it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people in the in the mainstream milieu would go, Eb, well, uh, you kind of have to play the game to... Well, that's interesting. Money. Well, that's interesting, Eb, because I was literally just about to say, I have this like concern in a way because, you know, if you start climbing the ranks and getting to the, the few, further and further echelons, is it, inevitable, is it inevitable that you kind of get contaminated or you have to be really centered and meditative yeah. And not only meditative with yourself, but meditative with your community and the people that you're working with to where you're able to say, okay, no, that doesn't work for us. Yes. I mean, that was a huge, that was a huge conversation like with Joe Budden because he had signed with Spotify. Oh, did they all break up? Yeah. The whole thing broke up. No, 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 no. They got back together. Oh, they I did? I believe so. Something I was like, I, I, I jumped onto a pod. It was like clearing the air or something on their pod. Because somebody commented, Eb, I'd like to hear you talk about the Joe Budden breakup. Oh, well, maybe we should look into that. But yeah, I saw something about that. But then I felt like they were rehashing. Oh, interesting. Hopefully, they're such amazing people. I know. I you love you those met guys. them. I didn't get to meet them. Awesome dudes. Man. Yeah. I Joe, lo- Maul, Rory. Yeah, I love that whole. Ian, I love those. That. Love that crew. Yeah, I love. I love what they they've done. But anyway, like I I remember Joe. I mean, Joe, and Joe's out there. Joe just seems out there. Oh, he's Joe's totally. totally. Joe's got a total. If I may say so, I feel like he has a total independent chip on his shoulder. Yes, he does. Just from how he was treated. Yes. Early on. To where he was like, I'm not taking any shit. And I think he (laughs) left Spotify and left multi-multi-millions of dollars because he had recognized that it was going to be totally contaminated. So I don't know. I I was just kind of curious. That made me think off of the thing I was saying, you know, is it inevitable that the higher up you get, like it gets, it probably gets harder. Well, I think it's Joe, like the Green Knight, right? There, there's more things coming at you that you have to battle or sidestep to stay pure. Well, I think Joe is a perfect example. Because to me, when I think about that, and any any sort of ego fear comes up around, Eb, well, maybe you you know this thing will never make money if you're not willing to do the corporate dance. But the thing that always comes to me, man, is the power is with the people. The power is with the audience. You have the power with the people. Mm-hmm. The people are what dictate what is successful or not. So if we build this thing 
into a mega audience with a mega audience of people who are diehard believers in this way of thinking or just really interested to hear what we have to say every week. Let me ask a dumb question. Okay. Pfizer gives you a call tomorrow. Nope. Fuck Pfizer, dude. Pfizer, you get a call from a a random number, 10 a.m. tomorrow. They say, no bullshit. We'll we'll cut you. We we see that your podcast is doing well. I know this is a dumb question. We see that your podcast is doing well. We want independent voices. We've got tons of money. We're going to give you $10 You just have to announce on your next five podcasts, five podcasts, that you want your audience to get the vaccine. <laughs> no. That the vaccine's good for you, they should do it. No. Nope. That's a stupid question. No. Nope. Not doing that. <laughs> it's a dumb question. Not doing that for many, many reasons. Yeah. Um I mean, it's just that you've got trillions of dollars. You're offering me ten million. <laughs> so, oh, okay. <laughs> hey brother, we got fifty. Nope. Fifty million. Nope. You could offer right. me offer me a billion and offer me ownership stakes in the company. Uh-huh. And then I'll tank Pfizer and take the billion. <laughs> and you'll promote you'll promote, I'll promote natu- cannabis nat- and mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll turn Pfizer into a fucking fungi lab. So you'll game it a little bit. That would be the only way. That would they be wouldn't the, go for that. That'd be the game. Yeah, no, it's a trip. I don't, you it's know, a trip. I, it's a trip. I, yeah, I only want to. I want to do business with like-minded people. I want to galvanize this tribe, man, of people. We're going. We're the nature tribe, dude. We're going back to the mother. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. we're not fucking playing this game of. The corporate bullshit. Yeah. And I, I really, I don't, I, I feel like I can still, I know I can still be successful, massively successful and taken care of going that path. Yeah, absolutely. I believe that. I, you know, um, I believe that. I couldn't sell out in that way. Couldn't no. sell out. No. Never. I just never could. I love people too much. I love human beings. Even if most of them on this planet want to just completely destroy themselves in ignorance and illusions. Hey, I still love you at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, Love it, bro. Yeah, that's good. Good. That's good. Aren't quotes funny? I just wanted to ask you this. Aren't quotes funny? It's funny how you could take a quote that says something as seemingly innocuous yet powerful as get up early. The sun is the best medicine. Quoted by Lao Tzu. And it's funny like how anybody could have said that. Yeah. I always find that funny. Like some quotes are like so specific like that, that it's like, oh, okay, that's a, that's a kind of narrowed down. But like some quotes are like, uh, oh yeah, 
food is the best met like health is the best well it's all just is it's it? all all the best quote all the great quotes there's one that i love that i because each chapter in my book i put a quote uh-huh. of the essence of the chapter uh-huh and one of my favorites is all the darkness in the world can't snuff the light of a single candle. Mm. And that was Francis of Assisi. Mm-hmm. And like, that's just this primordial truth. Mm-hmm. Like I've said it in different ways before I found that quote. Right, right. Like in a pitch black room, all it takes is one light to illuminate mm. the whole thing. Yeah. And that's the way I kind of, that's the way I live my life. As fucking dark as it gets, as dark as it might seem, as dire, as fucked up as it might seem, all it takes is one light to shine through it. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. But these truths, they just float through the ether, man. And it's about opening yourself up getting out of the mind into the heart turning your fucking turning this thing that you inhabit this body i imagine that all of you out there listening to this you're looking out of eyes looking down at a body looking down at hands and feet just like i am i don't think anybody is has reached the level of having a third person view of themselves And it's just about clearing out, clearing it all out so that you can be the fucking receiver that you were built to be. Like the universe just sends downloads through you all fucking day. And if it's not you that takes it, it's going to be somebody else. So when you get that download, man, do something with it. Mm. Do it. Because if it's not you, it's going to be somebody else. And your story deserves to be told. Absolutely. Our man. story deserves to be told. Every individual story is worthwhile. Because you have a very specific lens. Yeah. That you're seeing this thing through. It's so, a very specific lens. You've you've been through very specific experiences. Yeah. Come out of very specific circumstances mm-hmm. that change the 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 configuration mm-hmm. of the story. In such a unique way that only you can tell it. And it only takes one other person to light the fire. That's it, dude. And you saying your thing or creating your thing or doing your thing might be the spark that lights the guy or the girl who's going to fucking literally save the world, change the world. Yeah. That's it, y'all. Ripples, baby. I love it. Ripples. Send the ripples out there. We're all a drop in the ocean and the ocean in a drop. That's it. And, and you know. That's it. It's important to tell our stories. Super important, man. I love it, dude. All right, brother. Thank you, brother. Great. Monday afternoon. Yeah. Monday evening pod. Namaste. Namaste, y'all. I hope you guys got a lot out of that. I sure did. Hey, before I let you go, check out Gus's newsletter on Substack, realitynow.substack.com. It's fucking dope, man. This kid's spitting fire, I'm telling you. He's the next great American writer. 
Thanks, brother. I mean, I'm serious. I'm not fucking with you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, hey, man, I'm just trying to share my truth. I know. You know, That's each story. It. And you've inspired me to get more personal with it, so I'm going to start getting more personal. You got to, man. You, know? you got to. Because you have a very unique look at things, and you've dealt with a lot of, you've dealt with an ocean of internal experiences that I think a lot of people could really benefit from. I mean, also external things that you've done, but I think the internal shit that you feel, that's what really resonates. Uh Like you talk about the story of going to Ibiza or wherever it is, Mm -hmm. but the, the, the tone of that story in like what was going on inside of you through all the things that you've done in your life, that's what people go, fuck. Right. I felt that. Yeah. And I thought I was fucked. Right. But here's another person going, whoa, you felt like that too? And you're still here? You're still standing? You're still doing it? You're doing it? Yeah. It's powerful. Yeah, it is. It is powerful. It's powerful, dude. Because you're not alone. It's powerful. Yeah. No, yeah, we're not alone, man. It's just us out here. Mm -hmm. It's just us. I think, you know, looking back as I said that, I think one of the... One of the the core essence of why I wanted to, why I feel compelled to do this work is that. What, I, when you said that it only takes one thing? No, why it's so important to do what you do. Mm-hmm. Do your thing and mm-hmm. express yourself and talk about how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Talk about the experiences you've had and the internal landscape as well of what you were going through while you were doing the thing mm-hmm. is because I wanted to set an example for young athletes that they could do whatever they wanted to do. Mm. Does that make sense? Like you don't have to be the sportscaster. You don't have to be the coach. Mm-hmm. You can be an artist. You can be literally whatever the fuck you want to be. Right. Express your creativity. The dudes in the NFL, in the football locker room period, are some of the most hilarious guys, talented guys I've ever met in my life. And they might not even feel like they can do it because they've pigeonholed themselves into this thing of I'm a warrior athlete. Yeah, I was actually wanting to talk to you about that. Maybe we do it on another pod. But you, I feel, I was thinking about this other day, the other day, how intensely, or I don't know if intensely is, but, but how paradigm shiftingly you had changed, you had broken through the sports player mold. Not a lot of guys do that. Not a lot of guys are capable of seeing that. And it may be by virtue of our family being a lot of artists yeah. that it may have helped in a way, but you've totally, you've totally gotten into a different mold of spiritualists and artists that, yeah, like you're saying, a lot of athletes can't see or don't allow themselves to see. And that's the beauty of being honest and taking the risk or chance, if you will, of sharing your voice and sharing your presence and 
an art because it inspires people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's similar to what you said about the, the Meester thing. You know, he said, man, I think that too. It's so amazing the recognition we get when we share our internal stories. Yes. Yeah, man. Why not? What are you holding on to? <laughs> you're holding on to it because you think you're going to be ridiculed and you think you're going to be criticized for feeling. That's a problem in this world. Yeah. That's a real, that's a deep problem, particularly with males. Well, I'm here, we're here to fucking obliterate that yeah, myth. Yeah, we're throwing a stick of TNT into the room with Fuck that Fuck that thing. myth. Yeah. Feel it all, brother. Feel it all. The only way you heal it is if you feel it. Yeah. Woo! And it takes time, but dip your toes in, like we were saying. Dip the toes in. See, and, and art is such a beautiful opportunity to start speaking your truth. Yeah. Whether it's writing or painting or music or whatever. Or right? building a business, man. Well, yeah, whatever art is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I but just so wanted to throw that out there because we've been talking a lot about art as a yeah yeah one of the traditional kind of romantic yeah, arts yeah, yeah, yeah. but something that allows you to be vulnerable and pure and true about your soul yes you know yes and if we say it's a business person the best business people do that oh yeah totally so the business can become the art the yeah. best business people allow their humanity to be within their inventions dude if you read all read all the great like entrepreneurial startup books all the tony robbins the fucking gary v the dave Meltzer, all the great business people are already tapped into all that yeah right they're like dude stop trying to do the business that you think is going to be successful yeah what are you good at what do you love to do what makes your fucking heart sing? Start there. Stop trying to be famous. Stop trying to be successful. Tap into your fucking heart and soul's truth and do that all out. That's and, it. That's art. That's fucking art right there. And that brings us full circle to we're not in the results business. We're staying out of the fruits. That's it, man. We can we can appreciate the fruits if that's what God wants, if that's what the cosmos wants, if that's what the manifestation wants, whatever the fruits are. But that's not what the engine is coming from. That's not. Well, because if you get caught in what the fruits or the quote unquote fruits or trophies or victories are going to look like, and then you, you quote unquote fail, which failure is just a word, is just a stigmatized word to describe not reaching the expected success but failure is just i mean what's the thing thomas edison failed a thousand times before he, he succeeded one time mm -hmm. it's like dude the failures are just your way there's no such thing as failure they're all just attempts on your way to success mm -hmm. yeah beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> boom all right, y'all. Check out Gus's newsletter, realitynow.substack.com. Love to have you join the Power Tribe at patreon.com forward slash EDS Britain. Love to see you guys there. Get an extra episode of The Ebb and Flow. 
get bonus guided meditations, yoga flows, kettlebell workouts, all kinds of good stuff. You get to interact with me. I'd love to see you there at the end of this month, actually. Oh, well, I'm not sure when this episode will air, but at the end of May, since I already spilled the beans on it, the end of May, we're going to do a little get together, patron only get together. So love to see you guys there. Either way, y'all know what it is. I love you guys. You can support me in this podcast by rating it, subscribing on your favorite podcast platform, review it, share it with your friends and family. Until next time, y'all. I love you guys. I'm out of here. Peace.